So we're coming in our studies um, this evening to uh, chapter two of Joshua. Joshua chapter two, if you turn with us, with me in your Bibles, please. That's page uh, 194, 195. And we'll take the reading in two parts. We'll read one to 12 and we'll sing and then we'll read the second part of Joshua chapter two. Joshua chapter two and beginning at verse one. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the fords. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in any one because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. So we'll um, take sing again uh, from Christian hymns uh, number five hundred and sixty-eight. Five hundred and sixty-eight in Christian hymns. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife?
Um, we turn again to Joshua chapter 2 and from verse 13 to the end of the chapter. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 13. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, And it shall be, when the Lord has given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, Get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterwards you may go to your, your way. So the men said to her, We'll be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless, when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath which you made us swear. Then she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went to the mountain and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way, but did not find them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain and crossed over, and they came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all that had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, For indeed, all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. So reads God's word. So let's just pray before we come to look at uh, this passage. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that we are here tonight in in your house, Lord. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you... We thank you, you have promised that you will be with us where one or two are gathered together, you will be here in the midst, Lord. And we pray now that this evening we may have a sense of your presence with us as we meet here to learn more about you, to worship you, to praise you, to plead with you, 
Lord. Help us to uh, worship in spirit and in truth. Help us to, Lord, uh, maybe just put aside all those things that we've been thinking about uh, all through this day and help us, Lord, just for a short time to focus on you, uh, your majesty, your greatness, your power. Lord, to pray that you would speak to each one that is here this evening. Lord, we pray that, Lord, any uh, anything that's said, Lord, will be not from the speaker, but, Lord, will become from the Lord Jesus himself. Lord, we pray, Lord, for that anointing of the Holy Spirit on your word. Lord, we recognise that your word is is all inspired. Uh, every, every word of it is inspired, Lord, and we just pray that you will teach us, each one of us, Lord, and that, uh, Lord, we will uh, be be encouraged, we may be challenged, that we may be able to refocus our, our minds and our hearts and refocus our, our path on, on you, Lord Jesus, that we uh, may be able to continue the good fight of faith, that we may be able to uh, persevere, that we may be able to live more holy lives day by day, through your grace, Lord, we pray. We pray now that you forgive all our many sins in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Faith and works um, should travel side by side, step answering to step, like the legs of someone walking. First faith, and then works, and then faith again, and then works again, until they can scarcely distinguish which is the one and which is the other. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. Faith, James says, without works is dead. Indeed, faith and works go hand in glove in the Bible. And here in this confession before us, we have one of the greatest examples of faith and action working both together that we can see in the entire scriptures. We have a story here of the most remarkable woman. And with, for any believer, it's no, uh, without doubt, one of the most heartwarming passages of, of scripture that we can, we can read. And that's for a number of reasons, and I want to explore some of those uh, reasons tonight. So firstly, um, it's this great act of faith that we see here that Rahab um, performs. And there's a number of characteristics of that faith that we'll seek to explore. And then we have hallmarks of faith that we can see evidence in this passage this evening. We'll look at see if we can unpack a few of those hallmarks of faith. And then thirdly, unexpected faith. Um, And we'll seek to to look at what that really, what that means in this passage that we're reading and looking at this evening. This story is one that we uh, remember quite fondly, most of us, from Sunday school. And we, um, let's remind us of what this story is. We've read it together, but let's just recap briefly on what that is. God has promised Joshua and the children of Israel uh, the land of Canaan. And uh, Yahweh, through uh, speaking to Moses through the burning bush, uh, has said to them, uh, to Moses, you will be given a land which is flowing with milk and honey. And sadly, Moses doesn't live to see, go into the land of Canaan. 
but Joshua is commissioned as the leader to go into the to the land, the promised land, and he uh, at this point is the other side of the Jordan with the people of Israel, and he's preparing them to go into the land. And he's promised, God has promised that he will be with his people wherever they go. We read in in chapter one that they're to be strong and of good good courage. It's almost the motto in that chapter. We see it repeatedly um, uh, said. And Joshua, I could consider him as a a thoughtful, he's forward-looking leader. So therefore he sends the spies to go and check out the land before uh, the people go into the land. And in in particular, the spies are sent out to that city of Jericho, a real fortress of a city. And they're sent out to go and uh, investigate that particular city. And the spies go out and they find this house of Rahab. They go into the house of Rahab and Rahab is well-known as a prostitute within the city. Um, She's looked down upon the society that she's in, but she confesses her faith in the Lord God. And she hides the spies. She hides them under the the flax on on the roof and she tells the visiting party of soldiers that they're not there and uh, she hides them and and they, they go. And in return for them going... And for her, their safety, they, uh, she makes them promise that they will come back and, and uh, keep, uh, keep safe all of her and her household. All that she must do is put a scarlet cord in the window of her house and everyone in her household will be kept safe. Rahab had a remarkable, remarkably greater role than many of us um, really first believe in the promises for being fulfilled for God's people. And we know this by is a fact because of the what's said in the New Testament. Um, she set out as a great woman of faith. And this is in complete clarity in the New Testament. There's no doubt about her as a convert. She is mentioned, in fact, three times in the New Testament, which is unusual. Uh, Sarah is mentioned four times. There's no one else is mentioned as many times. Eve is only mentioned twice. So this is indeed unusual, and she is a great woman of faith. She stands in that roll call of faith in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11:31 reads, "By faith, Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace." So she performed this, this act, this wonderful act of kindness out of saving faith. James 2 also does mention uh, faith and Rahab in the context of that. And these uh, are repeated references to Rahab, which demonstrate that she is um, an honoured woman of faith in Old Testament times. So what is it it about Rahab's act of faith? Well, what did she actually do? Uh, She took these strangers, um, hid them under the stalks of flax in in her roof. Uh, She did not know who they were. They were... A direct threat threat to her, to her people, her city, her security, her very life was put on, uh, uh, was was at stake if she was to, to be found out. But she allowed them to escape. So why why did she do that? We're told in verse nine the reason. I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. Um, 
And it goes on to say, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And she believed. She believed that this was the one and true God. The Lord your God in verse 11. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. The New Testament interpretation is clear that this is out of uh, genuine faith. It's not some counterfeit faith. Her faith was a true, real faith. And perhaps you're wondering tonight, well, what's the difference? Why are we concerned about genuine faith? If someone believes, then surely aren't they saved? They believe that God is God. They're saved, aren't they? Well, we have to read James 2 to find the answer to that question. A person is justified by what he does, or she does, as much as this testifies, this is evidence to the existence of real faith. This is what James is saying. James is not saying that she's put, he or she is put right in a right standing because of what works that the he or she have done. He knows the Bible too well. He knows what Paul has been saying previously to that passage in James 2. Paul makes sure that whoever seeks to enter heaven is confronted with those words sola fide, justification by faith alone. However, James leaves us with no doubt that faith is no good with any pra- without practical, observable um, evidence. It's no use to say that we are saved or we are a Christian unless we live that out day by day in a practical way, the teachings of our Lord Jesus, of love, kindness, compassion, forgiveness and joy. It's, it's, we read, it's by their fruits you shall know them. So the fruits of the Spirit through our deeds, our works, are the external evidences of the work of grace in the heart. After all, the demons know that Jesus is Lord and they shudder. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, Matthew seven twenty-seven. So are these words, um, are these words contradictory, what Paul and James is saying? Uh, well, no, they're not, actually. James uses the illustration of Abraham, the spiritual father. But his faith is evidenced by what, by what he did. Um, works follow faith, not the other way around. I think that's a really important point uh, in James and a point here to remember. And Paul declares it can only be righteous through faith. James is saying that the only that works is the only way that demonstrates that faith is genuine and is righteous. So works are, are, are essential when faith is established. So just taking, just thinking about the very basics of faith. What is faith then? What is it? It's a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. That's the Oxford Dictionary of Faith. But what's biblical faith? Faith in God. It's a complete trust in a heavenly Father. And, and so, moving on, what else do we see as characteristics of faith? Um, and we can see it in this passage. Faith is tested. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, says Peter. Abraham's faith was tested, and we'll see, in a minute, we'll see, how, we'll see how Rahab's faith was tested. God told Abraham to take his son, uh, Isaac, to be sacrificed. 
Um, he had promised that all his, Isaac's descendants would be um, numerous as the sands, and he was going to offer him as a sacrifice. How could that fulfilment uh, be, be made if that was uh, really going to happen? He had faith to take him there and do what God commanded. And uh, God, Abraham was obedient, and he believed God. And how do we know that that's the case? That's because of what he, he did. And Rahab was tested here. She could have revealed the, the location of the spies. No, her faith was such that she hid them. She believed in the Lord, um, Lord God. And you and I, if we have genuine faith, um, it's going to be put to the test at some point. If we're at, when we're at school or if we're in the workplace, we may be questioned about our faith. There may be times we are tested and we'll have to give an account for the hope that's within us. We're perhaps tested when we face crises. If we face the loss of employment or bereavement. Or if we face hardships of one type or another. This will test our faith. We sang that hymn. And there's a reason why we sang that hymn. Because I want to quote the verse from it. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life? When the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cables strain? Will your anchor drift? Or firm remain. So genuine faith, just in the case of Rahab, it's going to be tested. And through grace, it's all through grace, uh, we will endure through the end, from the trial to the very end of that. We can also identify with faith as being uh, the gift of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Ephesians 2 and verse 8. Again, from James, he's concerned about the person who wants to hold on to a testimony, perhaps a piece of paper. He once was a follower, sadly a follower of Jesus, and yet has done nothing about it and not gone on in the faith. He wants to confront that individual with the possibility that, that it's not a sincere faith. It's, it's false. It's, it's an empty faith. So we know that faith cannot be conjured up um, out of thin air. Thin air be manufactured or just the result of a single uh, raised hand at the end of a meeting. No, true faith is, is of God and real faith produces um, results. With, with Abraham, we see him trusting in a costly obedience to the word of God. And Rahab, she was risking everything, her security, her home, her city. Her very life was at risk if she was found out. So it, it can be costly and it's an obedience uh, to trust uh, the Lord God. So isn't it wonderful then? We've seen how... Uh, we've seen uh, faith in different forms. Isn't it wonderful when we see these clear evidences of grace in the lives of others and if we can demonstrate this in our own lives? In this brief account of Rahab, what are the hallmarks of faith that we see wonderfully uh, displayed here? Um, I, want to, I want to say firstly there's that sense of the majesty and greatness of God. Rahab had a very high sense of God and a deep respect for God in verse 11. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. And what we... What we sometimes don't see, obviously, here is that uh, Rahab is a heathen, and for her, this is a 
this is a, a massive thing to, to believe in God. Deities were uh, localised, they weren't uh, thought to be, they weren't omnipotent like God. And, um, and so for her to say this was a wonderful um, act of faith that we see here. And she uses, in the, um, I understand from the commentary, she uses the name Yahweh um, several times, and this, for a heathen, is almost unheard of. So it's most remarkable that she goes on to say later on, God of heaven and God of heaven above and earth below. And she realizes that this God is, is God of everything. He's overall, he's in all. He's in control of everything. He's God of the Red Sea that she mentions, and she owes and they all owe their allegiance to him to him. God becomes real, real to, to her. God becomes God. And the second hallmark of faith that I believe we see evident here is Rahab displays a deep love for the people of God. The Lord your God understands the Jewish people uh, to be a distinct people, she's saying, and and wants to show them love and protection, even at the risk of her own life. But she obviously has a great love for the people of God and she cares uh, for them in so much that she wants to hide them and protect them. And the Philippian jailer is a parallel here. As soon as he was converted, he takes care of Paul and Silas. He takes them to their home. He cleans their wounds and he gives them food. And once you're born again, uh, there is a love for God and there is a love for uh, God's people. You want to come to church. You want to be in God's house. You want to be with with other uh, Christians. And so this woman says to the people of God, I realise God has done all these things and I have a respect for God and I have respect for these and I love these people. She longs to be more holy. You see the beauty of holiness um, in others and you can, and it moves you and as it, as it moved Rahab to love them that uh, love God, that um, the God you love. And the third mark of grace we see here is a concern for the salvation of all of her family in verse 13 we read and spare my father my mother my brothers my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death so she's not just seeking uh, physical protection though she is but also a spiritual uh, protection i propose here for her her and her family she pleads for the mercy of her whole family and when someone is converted they begin to have a concern about their unconverted family, whether that's a mum or a dad, uh, a grandma or grandpa, brothers or sisters, or a spouse. The Philippian jailer is another good example of this. What did he do that the moment he was converted? In the middle of the night, he took all of his children out of bed. You can imagine that. <laughs> and they had to hear the gospel that very night. They couldn't even wait until the very next morning. And when you're saved, you want to tell others about the Lord Jesus and you love the souls of those that are closest to you. And then lastly, I want to say this this is an unexpected faith. I'm not sure this is a correct term, but let me explain what I mean. God can convert people in whom we have very little hope and expectation. And here, surely, it's a woman that none of us would expect God to save, even. She'd spent her life in Jericho. She'd been immoral. She'd discredited in society she had no bible no catechism class no preacher no reform books 
no, um, uh, nothing like that. And yet she comes to this knowledge of a, a, of a true knowledge in God and a living faith in him. And she's living proof that the most unlikely cases, um, God can transform these people out of his sovereign and converting grace. Is, there, is anyone beyond God's ability to save? No one is beyond the reach of God's grace whatsoever. The convicted criminal alongside Christ on the cross, Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. As the hymn reminds us, O perfect redemption, the purchase of blood, to every believer the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes, that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. The greatness of sin is no bar to pardoning mercy if, if it's truly repented in, in time. Many, there's many that have been, before their conversion, very wicked and very sinful outwardly, and yet afterwards come to a great eminence in faith and in holiness. So what encouragement we have here, each one of our loved ones, uh, even those we least expect, are any outside of God's ability to save? No, no one. And, in, and also we see, um, it's wonderful how Rahab is mentioned in Matthew 1, in the genealogy of Christ. How remarkable that we read the genealogy of Christ and we find Rahab to be an ancestor of Jesus. What kind of wonderful God is that that reaches down into the life of people, picks them up, grants them faith and changes them? Don't we thank God that we're not in a, a church is not a club for people that are all sorted out and straightened out. Church is, is a refuge for those who have been rescued and redeemed and we've set right we've been put on the right path and it's all of grace and uh, many of you may have um, read about um, uh, the missionaries uh, five missionaries in um, uh, in in ecuador uh, perhaps you're beyond the gates of splendor i believe the book you've read that he's lived some noddings perhaps you've read that and uh, they went the missionaries went to the feared uh, orca tribe to convert these these orca to, uh, the, the Orca tribe, and they were all five of them were speared to death. And later, and um, later, there's a, a, or a sequel to that book, uh, Beyond Beyond the Spear, I think. Beyond the Spear, maybe you've read that. It's the the pilot who was Hen I think Sant, his name was his son Steve Sant read read the book, and he went back to the Triorca tribe, and many of them were wonderfully converted. Even one of the one, even one of the um, tribe that speared uh, his father, and he. he and it was wonderful. These people were not beyond God's grace. And uh, what was uh, so special was th there was an opportunity for one of these to come back to, with him. And I think it was Jim Elliot's wife, um, Elizabeth. And he had a, a great care for, uh, for her. And he really, was look really looked out, out for her. And it was wonderful um, to read that about that. Um, so they weren't all sorted out. And I love also the way that they describe, uh, but knowing about Jesus, um, just in their simple way, they knew they, they, they followed Jesus. Uh, there wasn't, obviously isn't maps there, that they followed trails all through the jungle, and each trail led to a different place. And the way they described following God was to follow, they were following God's trail. That was their, their way of, of being a believer. They followed God's trail. And uh, if we're on, if we love the Lord Jesus, we too are, following his pathway we're following God's trail and one day that will lead us uh, to glory in the end and just a brief word to someone who who may have may have doubt I and mean, I recognize that there are those that um, perhaps have faith but don't but doubt it or 
or have faith or at this point are doubting. I appreciate that that's the case for some, some Christians. And uh, Adoniram Judson um, is a missionary and he's, uh, I could recommend a book written on him also. And um, he, there was a story told that in Burma, uh, Judson was lying in a foul jail uh, with pounds of, of with chains on his ankles. And what you have to remember about Adoniram Judson, he, he went to Burma, he was an American, the first American uh, missionary outside of America. Um, he, all the intellect to go on and be, be something really successful in a career, but he chose to go and uh, serve in, uh, God in, in, in Burma. And he was a contemporary to William uh, to Carey at the time, who was in China. And uh, seven years of, of working there as a missionary, he had no, no converts. Uh, he lost two. He lost his first wife, who died of disease. He lost his second wife. He lost um, children, and he was in, imprisoned. And um, we read this this here in, in Burma. Judson was lying in a foul jail with the chains on his and his ankles, his feet bound to a bamboo pole. A fellow prisoner said, "Doctor Judson, what about the prospect of the conversion of the heathen?" With a look on his face, his instant reply was, "The prospects are just as bright as the promises of God." So let's, let's be encouraged that God's promises are going to be fulfilled. God always keeps his promises. God in his mercy has given each one of us a cord, that symbol, that type of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ that we've read in this passage. And if we have the Lord Jesus at the centre of the window of, of our lives, this is the only way that sin can be removed, its penalty paid. Uh, Rahab's faith is a lesson to us all and leaves us with great optimism. Our God is the same God today as he has the same power to save. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen.